0: You have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to ask that you would uh, join with me in uh, looking at the Scripture today in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 6 through 15 is uh, the words of the Lord, our Lord Jesus talking to us about prayer. Prayer. As you may or may not know, over the last several weeks we've started a series on the spiritual disciplines that we as believers in Christ need to have in our life if we're going to, to grow and, and and flourish in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. And so we are looking at our second spiritual gift. We first looked at the word of the Lord. And our second spiritual gift is prayer. And for the last few, couple of weeks, we've been talking about that. We've talked about uh, some different ways. And this morning, I want us to talk about how that we can pray Scripture. And um, I'm going to tell you a lot of information today. So um, for those of you that go away going... uh there is outlines out there that you could have got if you didn't you at the end of the service and you need one to kind of follow along. they're out there. If they run out, call me, let me know I know how to print more. But uh, it's important for you to just focus on the fact that God has a message for you and how to improve your prayer life. So let's stand as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord this morning and reading in Matthew chapter six and verses six through 15. and here's what the Lord Commands, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetition, as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard of their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask them. For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father also forgiveth you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you in honor of the word of the Lord, we have heard the words of Jesus on this very subject of prayer. And now, Father, we pray that you would hear us as we pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. Help us to be not just ones who come demanding from God, but when we pray that we may have a commune time with the Lord, a time of, uh, of sharing and a time of receiving, a time when there is worship as well as request, a time when, Lord, we are in the presence of the Lord. So, Father, I pray that you would move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross. Father, this is so important. Do not let me mess it up. But, Lord, would you just use me today for your glory, for your praise, and for the help of our prayer life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning, as we continue our current series on spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, I thought it might be important just to take a moment just to reassure you that uh, for those that are hearing the phrase spiritual discipline and it might have a negative meaning to you, um, because we oftentimes think of discipline as referring to receiving a spanking or a punishment. That's not what I'm talking about at all when I talk about our spiritual disciplines. I'm actually referring to what we would gain if we were to go through a boot camp. Whether it be a spiritual boot camp or an army boot camp or whatever, we go in undisciplined, doing things our way, coming out with a new set of rules and regulations and ways of doing things so structured in our life that we don't have to think about it, that we just naturally do it. As believers in Jesus Christ, we need to remember that we come from a sinful life, a life of doing things our way and, and, and God not having a say in our life, to coming into a relationship with Christ where we no longer have a say in our life, but God has given to us a structure for our life and that we ought to be able to live it and and do it. So I want us to to just be reminded of the the benefits that we get from going through the spiritual boot, uh, boot camp. Discipline in this sermon series does not refer to the spanking or punishment, but rather a rigorous spiritual training and purpose for godliness. The spiritual disciplines are godly habits and patterns that we develop over time that become a part of our life. Remember that spiritual disciplines are are those godly habits that are like uh, the majestic mountain In order for us to to see the beauty of what we can get there at the mountaintop, we must take the rigorous walk up the mountain to get to the peak so that we can see the beauty thereof. Nobody ever promised that living the Christian life was going to be easy. If they did, they lied to you. God himself said that uh, they hated me. How much more will they hate you? It was a struggle for me. How much more will it be a struggle for you? We must walk through the spiritual disciplines of life in order to meet the challenge of being less like us and more like Him. In my opinion, the two most important spiritual disciplines in the Christian life that we will talk about are the two that we have uh, previously already talked about and continuing to talk about that of our time and God's Word and that of prayer. Now, without a commitment to these two disciplines, a Christian will find it very difficult to progress any further in their spiritual walk. And the other spiritual disciplines in which we're going to talk about will be almost impossible without these two. Now, you know, we've talked at length concerning our devotion to God's Word. And over the last two weeks, we've talked about the need for prayer. We've looked at when we should pray. And Jesus once told a parable that shows us that at all times we ought to pray and not lose heart in Luke 18. Paul instructed the Colossian church where we looked at that they should continue in prayer. And then he told the Thessalonians that they should pray without ceasing. We also considered the need for prayer for others, a cry beyond ourselves. The Apostle Paul often began his letters by telling the people that he was writing to that I'm praying for you always and that I do not cease to pray for you night and day. And then Paul also went on to say that um, not only was he praying for them, but would you pray for me? Would you pray that the furtherance of the gospel might be um, accomplished in my life? Would you pray that, that I won't let me get in the way, but that God will use me in a way that will honor and glorify Him? And today, I want to take the time to walk through a practical method of prayer with you. A method called praying scripture. Now you may have heard it, you may even be doing it. You may not even understand what I'm saying, but hopefully when I'm done, you'll get enough of it so that you'll understand the importance of it and how that it can revolutionize your prayer life and how that it will change from you just telling God what you want to actually communing with the Lord. I hope that's what you're looking for when you bow your head before the Lord. So that you might be able to say, Lord, it's not just about what I want, but it's about who you are. So today, the first thing that we must do is we must have an honest look at our own prayer life. An honest look at your prayer life means that you must look to yourself. And I'm just going to kind of share a few thoughts with you that I hope that will cause you to look inwardly at your own prayer life as I had to look at mine I think that we need to really be honest with each other this morning about our prayer lives. According to national surveys, Christians only pray an average of five minutes a day. As a matter of fact, I asked Erica to change our sign this week to find me a quote for our sign, and she, as she always does, she gives me about a half a dozen and says, pick one and we'll go with that one. And, If you haven't read the church sign, it says that if your job was to pray, would you still be employed? Yeah, ouch. So we're going to talk about that very reality today as we uh, look at our prayer lives together. Martin Luther once said, as it is the business of a tailor to make clothes and a cobbler to repair shoes so it is the business of Christians to pray. I thought about that, and well, if it truly is the business of Christians to pray, and we only pray five minutes a day, it's no wonder so many families and churches are going out of business these days. Every Christian knows that they should pray. And in their heart of hearts, they they want to pray. We all believe in prayer theoretically, but are not always good at putting our prayers into actual practice. Now, why is that? Why is it easier for us to talk about prayer than to actually pray? Well, we ought to remember that we have an adversary who's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but he's also a subtle little guy that has a good way of just messing with us. So let me just kind of give you this idea or this thought. It might be that as you begin to pray, as we often all do, in just a few moments we begin to uh, uh, recognize that our mind begins to wander. And all of a sudden we find ourselves thinking less about prayer and more about the job that we need to get done today. Or maybe about that email that we received just prior to going to pray, and and now that we are thinking, oh, this is how I need to respond to that prayer or that uh, email. Or maybe it's a text that we need to respond to or a text that we need to send to get a conversation started. When we finally realize that we're supposed to be praying, and yet we're thinking about everything else in our day. Oh, we begin to chastise ourselves and begin to say, Oh, Lord, forgive me for, for, for my mind wandering. And we get back to a prayer for a moment only to find that our mind wanders again. And we finally just say, Well, I might as well just get up and go do what I need to do. And then we come back to prayer thinking, well, I know how to keep my mind from wandering. I will make a list and I will get the church bulletin out and I will pray through the list. And and, and and the problem with that is that by the time we get halfway down the list, we realize that we don't even know these people. We don't really know what their conditions are. We don't even know if the bulletin has been updated lately and, and whether or not that these people are still in need of that prayer. And so why am I bothering to pray for people that I don't know, that I don't know that if they even need that? prayer anymore. What in the world am I doing? Oh, and then if that ain't bad enough, then we get to thinking about, well, wait a minute. um, I just realized how absurd prayer really is. Wait a minute. Why am I wasting my time praying when God already knows what we need and when we need it and how we need it? And he's already on top of everything. Why am I bothering to pray When all I'm doing is just telling God things that I want Him to do for me or asking Him to send things to me like a a, a cosmic Santa Claus. And we begin to think that maybe prayer is useless anyways. Because even if I pray for those folks on that list, how do I know that if God has done anything, I don't even know these people. So how do I know if my prayers are being even heard? How do I know if they're even uh, uh, um, worth praying? So we stop. We stop praying and simply just talk about praying. Oh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. But do we pray for them? When When we're on the phone, you know, it's easy to have a conversation with somebody because they're conversating back. But when we're on our knees before the Lord and we're talking to God, I don't know about you, but I don't hear an audible voice back. Now, it almost kind of makes me think about the days of using the landlines. You remember, you know, and this would happen even then, you know, somebody would hang up or we'd lose connection. You knew that you lost connection because there was a dial tone They kind of told you, there's nobody on the other end. Okay? Now, let me just ask the question, how many of you have been talking on your cell phone only to realize five minutes after you have, uh, the connection has been ended somewhere, somehow, and you didn't know it because there was dead silence and you were just rattling off only to realize there was nobody on the other end of the line? Isn't that the way sometimes our prayer life seems? we're just rattling on and we're not even sure if anybody's on the other end of the line. What I want to talk to you about today is a way to know that God's always on the other end of the line. A way that you can know, and Gina, I appreciate that story because that you told in Sunday school because it's exactly what I'm talking about. Sitting down with our Bible and just reading and praying. And when we don't know what to pray, we just read. And God speaks to us. And then we can speak to Him. So when you think about your prayer life, is your prayer life more a monologue where you're constantly telling God what you think He ought to do and how He ought to do it and when He ought to do it? Or is it a two-way conversation? Prayer was always designed to be a dialogue, not a monologue. A two-way conversation between the believer and God. Think about it like this. God speaks to us through His Word. So why shouldn't we pray to Him through His Word? Why shouldn't what He says to us be the very focus of what we say to him. If God knows exactly what we need and he's given us his word to tell us exactly what we need, what better communication can we have than to pray back God's word to him? To understand the two-way dimension of prayer, I want to look at praying through scripture praying by Scripture, praying Scripture. You can frame it any way you want, but we're going to look at using Scripture to talk to God in a way that we've never talked to Him before. So to begin with that, let's look at an open look at the prayer life of Jesus. If we want to know how to pray, the the greatest example that we have in scripture is Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is is telling us how he prays. Really, he's telling us how to pray, but he's, he's telling us exactly what he does. If you want your prayer life to be what his prayer life is, listen to what he tells us on how that he prays as he commands us to pray that way. As I spent time examining the Lord's prayer life there was something that intrigued me that I struggle with in my own prayer life in looking at his prayer life it was hard for me to understand how that Jesus could spend so much time in prayer there, there, there is examples in the Scripture that Jesus went away and prayed the, the morning away, prayed the day away, prayed the night away. And yet I struggle to pray the few moments that I pray. And perhaps you do as well. Perhaps it's because we're so busy telling God And we don't think anybody's on the other end of the line that it's just not worth it. what if we knew? What if we could be assured that he's on the other end of the line listening and speaking to us? So when we look at Jesus' prayer life and we ask the question, why was it so easy for Jesus to pray so long? Perhaps it was because... Well, first and foremost, because he was God. The second, perhaps, is because that he didn't just monologue, he dialogued with the Father. He didn't just um, tell God what he needed, he communed with the Father. We're oftentimes spending so much time on our end that we miss what he wants to say, have you ever noticed how that it 's easy for you to spend a couple hours and it seems like just a short period of time with in a conversation with somebody that they 're conversing and you 're conversing and you 're just talking about something that 's passionate to you and, and, and all of a sudden you look at the the watch and go, "Oh my, I did this just the other day." Um, had a conversation with a man who just lost his wife, and we were just talking about his mother-in-law and all of the things that we experienced together. I looked at my watch. Holy moly, two and a half hours had gone by. It was so simple. It seemed like it was just a few minutes that I was there, but yet hours had went by. Have you ever been on the other end of the coin where you sit with somebody who just grunts? You're having a conversation and you go, oh. well, how's your day? Eh. Well, how's the family? Yeah." And you go, I can't wait to get out of here. I've been in them situations as well. All right. And and ten minutes seems like two days. Because you're doing all the talking. You're having to think of all the things that you need to ask. And you're simply asking and getting no response. You see, the difference between Jesus' prayer life and our prayer life is the difference of dialoguing with God and monologuing with God. Now, how do I know that Jesus dialogued with the Father? The Bible tells us so. Let me give you a couple of examples. First of all, found uh, in John chapter 5 in verses 19 and 20. And here it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do and what things soever he does, these also does the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth and he will show unto him great works, these things that ye may marvel. Then we skip a few chapters in John chapter 12, in verse 49, we hear the, these words. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Now what can we learn from, from those two passages of Scripture? We learn that Jesus didn't, do or say anything on his own initiative. Rather, he did whatsoever he saw the Father doing, and he said whatsoever he heard the Father saying. So then when did Jesus see the Father doing, and when did Jesus hear the Father saying? Well, none other than the times that he spent in prayer, dialoguing with the Father, As the Father told him uh, of things that were to come and things that he had done and the preparation that had been made and what Jesus needed to do next to make it all come together. That's why I believe that Jesus and the Father held a dialogue in prayer and not a monologue. The Father revealed to Jesus what he was doing and Jesus responded back in prayer saying, Yes, Lord, thy servant hears. And he went out and did it. So how do we use the practical method of prayer? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, if you caught it, there is what we call the Lord's Prayer. I like to call it the model prayer. And we can use that in a way that we can pray every day, not so that it's a, a reputitious, not so that it's a, um, just some magical spell, but in a way that it can, can teach us how to pray. I want to ask you to watch this little clip right now, if the, the folks will put it up for us. Um, and listen and watch Because what Tommy's going to do is he's going to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's going to come up, the verses, and then he's going to demonstrate for us how to turn that into his prayer. So if you would play that now, please. God, God, you you are greater than anything anything this world world has to to offer. offer. And And I I can't wait for you to come come back back and get get us. us. But until until that time comes, comes, would you you help me just to... Just to, just to live my life, life day after day as I'm just, just walking, walking in hand, hand in hand with you. God, I, I, have, I have, a lot have a lot of needs. needs. And I, I have, have a lot of wants. wants. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes I get those, I get those things, things confused. confused. Help, Help me, to me to just trust you to meet my needs and be, and be thankful when you give and and me those other things, things that, that I just want. want. God, I have blown it so many times today. And I'm sorry. Thank you, Thank for, you your for your forgiveness. forgiveness. I don't, I don't, I don't take, take it for granted. granted. And, God, and God, as I start this day, this day out, I'm just, I'm just reminded that, that, that this world is filled, is filled with so many spiritual potholes. potholes. Please, Please help me help to walk in, walk in such, such a way, way where I won't stumble so much. So much. And, as and as I'm, I'm going, going through this day, day God, help, help me to live my life in such a way that bring you glory and honor. May the life I live live be a life of worship to you. Amen. A simple approach to look at the verses that we have, and the prayer that we have heard and recited over and over again, but actually to make it our prayer. To take the word of God that he has given to us and turn it around to say to God, this is my prayer. This is my heart. And I want you to understand that you can do that with With many many passages of scripture, um, and we're going to look at that example in the next few moments. So wake up, pay attention, and and follow along. Because we're going to talk about the practical method of prayer. So, as Jesus was able to hear the Father speak so well, and we have such a trouble hearing His voice. Certainly, I believe the answer lies in the fact that he was God and and we're not. But yet, the promise is that God has opened up the avenue of communication to prayer. When he ripped the veil of the temple uh, so that we could have full access into the presence of God, he made it so that we could commune with him and he could commune with us. Because we are broken by sin, we sometimes find it difficult knowing the Father's will and hearing the Father's voice. But that's why God gave us the Word of God, so that we can always hear the voice of God. So that we can always know the will of God. And we need to spend time in that Word so that we can know how that we are to pray to God. God speaks to us clearly through His Scripture so that we can speak clearly to Him through Scripture. Is there a way that you and I can change our prayer life from a monologue to a, a, a dialogue? Yes. Yes, there is. As we read God's Word, He speaks to us, and then we can respond as Josh has already demonstrated, uh, and Tommy's demonstrated, and I tried to demonstrate to you uh, today. Now, I'm not talking about reading a chapter or five chapters or the whole book and then put the Bible down and come back and say, now, what was it that I read and how can I pray? No, it's it's simpler than that. It's taking a verse or two or three, and as you're walking through them, just letting the Word of God speak to you and ask God to speak back to Him through His Word. That which he brings to mind. So let me give you some guidelines for praying Scripture. First of all, recognize the context. Um, It's so easy for all of us to take Scripture out of context and make it say what we want it to say and even back up what we say we're praying. Be sure that you know the context of the verse or the verses that you are praying. If you're unsure, go ahead and read some verses prior to that and some more verses ahead of that, but then come back and focus on the ones that God has called you to focus on. But make sure you understand the context of the Scripture so that you're praying within that context. This will give you a clear understanding of how to pray. Remember, Josh said he was going to pray Psalms 21, but when he thought about it, it's all about King David, and I'll show him that you can even do that um, a, a little later on in here. Uh, but here's the point. We may get to a place where we say, well, this really doesn't apply to me. Okay, move on. Don't worry. Don't try to make the context fit. Move on. God will give you something to pray. Select an applicable passage. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, there are some passages that we will find that are more useful th- uh, for your own personal prayers. F- consider, for example, David's prayer in 1 Chronicle- Chronicles chapter 17, verses 16 through 27. I knew my time wouldn't allow, so we're not going to read it all. I want to narrow in on two verses. I want to narrow in on, uh, on, on verse 16 and verse 20, and here's what they say. Who am I, Lord? Oh, who am I, Lord God, that, and what is my family that, it, that you might have brought me this far? And there is no one like you, Lord, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. Now, when you think about this passage, we're not King David by any means. And, 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 and we might look at it and say, well, well, Lord, who am I that you would bless my family? Who am I that you would call me into your service? What a way that we can turn this prayer into our own personal conversation with God. God, I know there is no other God besides you, no matter what the world screams. God, the world may may have all their idols and all of their their things they're holding on to, but I hold only on to you. And then there are passages of Scripture that help us to pray for others, such as we looked at in Colossians. And and then there's Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. And and again, I'm going to focus in on one verse. That that ye might walk worthy of, of the Lord unto all, pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. God, as I pray for Kevin today, I pray that he wouldn't just go through life, but that God, your word would speak into his life and that he would have a knowledge not from the things of this world, but from the things of God that would cause his life to walk closer to you. So others that see him and do business with him might know that this is an honorable man, not because of him, but because of you. You see how we take the scripture and we use it to pray for somebody in a way that I would never have thought to pray for Kevin that way, but God did. And then there's other passages that speak to certain subjects that might be going on in your life, finances or or marriage or whatever. God's word speaks about everything. And the reason that God's word speaks about everything is because he wants us to know how to pray about everything and for everyone. The third perspective is to pray from your own perspective. The guideline is to pray your own perspective. You don't have to just repeat the words that are there. Think about it from your life or the life of that person and begin to pray from that perspective. For instance, David prayed in 1 Chronicles 17, verse 25, you, my my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him. Here's, Here's how we can pray like the king. While God never promised me a house, but he did promise that he would come live in my house, in me. That the Holy Spirit of God has come to live in me, And that as I walk through this life, Lord God, you have said that you walk with me until that day when I'm no longer walking in this world and you have given me the promise that one day I will have a home with you in your mansion that has many rooms which you are preparing for me. You see, you pray in the perspective of where God has you at that very moment. And then personalize your prayer. Personalize your prayer with praise. Remember that there is nothing that that goes on in life that we don't have to praise the Lord about. One of the best uses of praying Scripture is to expand our methodology of how to praise God. How many of you have the struggle of uh, of sometimes... Lord, what, a, what, a, what, I, what am I supposed to be thankful for? Yeah, I'm thankful for my family and I'm thankful for this, but, but Lord, what is the depth of my thanksgiving? Man, there's, there's some verses in the scripture that just remind us of the, the, the depth of the thanksgiving that we have when Jesus is dying on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, God, I praise you. that You have forgiven me the many times that I have offended you. I'm not worthy. But you showed your favor. God gives us so much to praise him for. We just gotta look for it. Then the practical ways to select scripture passages. Josh gave you one I was going to actually talk about, and I I, I, I scratched it this week. Um, you know there are several ways and 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 things that we can uh, we can do. When it comes to prayer, uh, a primary stumbling block is the idea that when speaking to God, we should be original and spontaneous that our prayers should be spoken from the heart. And there's nothing wrong with that, and that's the way most of us pray. Without any thought about what we should pray or how we should pray. But if we look at the Bible, we find that, you know, there are many examples of, uh, of folks who prayed Not spontaneously. Now it may have been led spontaneously, but they didn't it wasn't their words. They simply used Scripture. Now let me just give you an example of what I mean. In Acts chapter 4 and verses 24 through 26, the believers prayed Psalms 2. They didn't make up a new prayer. They were praying a psalm that they were very, very familiar with. They were just reminding God of his own words. A matter of fact, even Jesus prayed uh, one of the Psalms when he was dying on the cross, when he quoted in Psalms 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He simply was just reminding God of what his word said. The great evangelist George Whitefield, whom God used greatly in the first great awakening, discovered this as as a new believer. My mind being now more open and enlarged, I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees, laying aside all other books and praying over, if possible, every line and every word. This proved meat indeed and drink indeed to my soul. I daily receive fresh life, light, and power from above. I got more truth knowledge from reading the books of, uh, of of God in one month than I could have ever acquired from all the writings of men. I don't know about you, but would you like to have that kind of spiritual experience that Whitfield had? I would. Would you like to receive a fresh life, light, and power from above every time you get up from your knees? Would you like God to reveal His truths to you straight from His Word rather than reading all the writings of those who speak about God's Word? Then try the method of praying Scripture. Whitfield found that it changed his life. Now, next to the Psalms, the New Testament epistles are perhaps the second best place for us to go to pray through Scripture. Scripture. Because they are extremely applicable to most of our lives. So, how do we pray through Scripture practically? I'm going to give you just a few more things to to rattle around in your head. For those of you that are sleeping, sleep on. Now, there are 150 Psalms. And you can simply start with Psalms 1. As, As Josh said, if Psalms 1 does not fit, there's a way to do that. You just add 30 to it, and you can read Psalms 31. And you can read Psalm sixty-one and Psalms ninety-one and you know so on and so forth. So there are op- opportunities for you to do it, or you can just start reading through the Psalms. Why is it important? Well, because the Psalms are basically songs or prayers that were prayed. They were books of it was a book of prayer or book of Psalms, and we call it Psalms. Now there are several Psalms that uh, you know you can start off with, and there's no wrong psalm to choose or no wrong scripture to choose. If you're reading along and God prompts you to pray that scripture, get on your face before God and commune with him. So we need to read the psalm or the verses and, and pray whatever comes to mind. At this point, it's not about doing a Bible study, folks. Now listen, this is not about saying, oh, I've got to find out what this word means and that word means and, and, and what's the background and the depth. No, you're not there to study God's word. You're there to commune with the Father. Don't worry about what you don't know. Just worry about what God is revealing to you and take that before the Lord. Commune in prayer with God. Uh, it's a time of devotion. It's a time of worship, confession, thanksgiving, and, and a time of then making supplications unto the Lord. The point is, it's a time to engage your heart with a communion with God. Turn every thought Godwardly and let His Word speak, and you speak His Word to Him. And then continue until you run out of time. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I know some of you are going to say, well, preacher, how long do you expect me to do this for? i got other things to do. Well, you're right. Yeah, you know, the Scripture says pray without ceasing, continue to pray. And, you know, you know, we say, well, I can do it for five minutes, but then i got other things to do. Okay. Here's what I would tell you. You pray until you run out of time. You pray until you're done. Now listen. You may you may pick a psalm and you may begin to read through and you may be uh, there and and two hours may pass, great. And you say, okay, I, I've I've run out. Then you're done. Or it may be that you pick a psalm and and and, and the first verse and you get through it and two minutes have, have come by and and, and you're, you're done. And you're done. It's not about reading the whole psalm. It's not about reading the whole passage. It's about communing with the Father until you and the Father are done. And then get up and go put feet to your prayers. So let me close this way. First of all, Ben Patterson, I read this and I I wanted to put this in here. He recommends an approach to praying through the psalms and I thought, well, I'll just give this to you as well. Uh, he says that we can use this in Psalms or in other Bible passages with three simple words, rejoice, repent, and request. He says when you're doing that, simply ask three basic questions. What about this passage gives you reason to rejoice or to give thanks or praise to God? Second question, is there something about this passage that reveals my sin that I should repent of? The third does this passage lead me to make a request to God for myself or for others? So, I've said all that to say to you today, do you want to continue in a monologue with God and wonder why your prayer life is stale and non-existent, or would you like to change your prayer life to a, a, a dialogue with God in such a way that, you know what, you're not in a hurry to get off your knees anymore. Because you're in conversation with our Father. And He's in conversation with you. Well, we've given you a couple of examples and I want to leave you with one last example. You got your Bibles with you. I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 1. In Psalms chapter 1, I'm just going to take the first three verses just because I know our time is gone. But I want you to, to just... Follow along with me. I'm going to look at it this way, and I'm just going to walk you through what you could do. We're going to start with verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So I thought about how could I pray that? What would, I, what would, what would be a way to pray that verse? And here's some thoughts. Lord, I know that I am blessed because you have come into my life and you have put a new path in my life. Thank you for the guidance that I get from your word so that I no longer have to follow the ways of this world. Lord, help me not to fall back into old habits and ways that dishonor you and your word. Then verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law does he meditate day and night. You might even pray something like this. Lord, help me to realize the delight that can be found in your word. I pray that you would help me to reflect upon the truths during the the busyness of my day. And even when my heart is quiet, may I cherish the truths revealed to me. And then, verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth this fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. You could simply ask the Lord Father, may all of my nourishment come from you. After all, Jesus said, He is the vine, and I am the branches, and apart from him, I can do nothing. Lord, help me to bear the fruit of being a witness for you so that all that I do can be used to grow your kingdom. Now, as we go back and we think about how that we could pray verses one through three, we think about not walking in the counsel of the wicked, you might think even about a lost person Even though this really isn't about the salvation of lost, but whatever God brings to your mind, if he brings a lost person to mind, you might pray, Lord, help them to get out of their wickedness. To see that there is life and light in you. There's no wrong way. Whatever God speaks to your heart, whatever He leads you to, take it and run with it and pray to the Father because He has spoken to you and now you're speaking to Him. And you're in dialogue with the Father and the Father's in dialogue with you and your prayer life is not simply just giving God demands. But it's a communion with the Father. What I'm saying to you folks is simply this. You can't mess it up if you just do it. So I want to encourage you this week to try this method of praying the scriptures. You might even take one of your devotional reading scriptures and just use that You don't have to go to a psalm or you don't have to uh, do any of those things, but they're there for you. There's no wrong way to pick a scripture. It's just wrong if we don't do it. So as we close our time together in prayer this morning, let me just pray for you that God will guide you and strengthen you as you endeavor to walk a new journey in prayer. Father, as I pray for your people, I pray that, Lord, that they would seek you, seek your face, seek your word. I pray that, Father, that they would look to you and know that, Father, that as you have spoken words of life unto us, And Lord, your word is is to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May it reveal to them a new journey into praying in dialogue instead of monologue. And may, Father, their prayer lives be more passionate, compassionate, more um, fervent, and more frequently. And may, Father, they realize that, Lord, it's so much easier to speak to you as you're speaking to us. And then, Father, as you already know every need and every struggle, I pray that, Father, that when you remind us to pray for our brethren, we can pray Lord God you are their guide and you are their stay would you help them to lean on you this day they would lean so heavily upon you O Lord that they would find rest in the weariness of their labors and find help in time of need Now send us out, Father, we pray to do your will, to do your work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, for those of you that are online, thank you for worshiping with us today. And please, if you need any other further help or if you want an outline of what I shared, please contact us. The contact information is scrolling across the screen as well as a way for you again to be reminded that uh, there is a way for you to give online so that you can uh, help financially support the work of the church. May God bless you till we meet again.